Georgia survived the Gamecocks gap. Ohio State rock bottom the Hilltoppers. And Oklahoma looks like a legitimate Big 12 championship contender. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folks? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we got a recap. Ohio State rock-bottoming the Hilltoppers at the shoe and what that means going into week four. Got to talk a little bit about Oklahoma putting up 66 on my alma mater, the University of Tulsa. And we got to get to just what is going on in the Southeastern Conference, notably Georgia and Alabama. But first, let us start, as we do most days, with the big noon kickoff game of the week. That was number seven, Penn State, beating up on Illinois 30-13. to 13. Now, a lot of things in this game that I did not like from the Penn State st uh, standpoint, but all of those things had to do with the offense. The defense was outstanding. Manny Diaz got dudes over there chop robinson is a dude abdul carter wearing the stick city number 11 is a dude kaylin king is a dude you're gonna hear dude a lot here because that is exactly what you were dealing with your penn state going into the second quarter of this game penn state had not surrendered a point for four consecutive quarters before giving up that td to illinois in the first half but my goodness i'm looking at this and it's kind of awe-inspiring to see what the defense did Illinois committed three turnovers, right? But another way of saying that in the first half, I should say, another way of saying that is Penn State created, my goodness, four turnovers, right, that were uh, interceptions at one point or another. I'm, I'm really kind of floored that Penn State didn't do more with the possessions that the defense got with uh, gave them because at one point I thought this game should have been decided well in advance of the third quarter, went a little bit longer than we thought it might have, should have gone going into the start of the fourth quarter, but goodness me, if I'm looking at Drew Aller, I'm thinking, okay, you got away with a booty game on the road and a win. 16 or 33, 208, no TDs, no picks, though. He's still growing into this. I think we're seeing now what it means to play meaningful football because Illinois was still able to do some things that confused him, notably just having that single high safety up there and then asking him, hey, can you just beat us one-on-one? -on -one? And he couldn't do that as often as you might want him to. Now, Illinois is not the team for which Penn State should have been up and coming to. That's going to be down the road when they got to play Ohio State and then Michigan. And then we're going to find out just how good this Penn State team is. But right now, they got a solid win on the road. And I expect them to keep doing that right up until they got to go play against Ohio State in October. Next on the list, let's talk about number 10, Alabama, hanging on to beat South Florida 17 to three. This game had a long weather delay in it as there was some weather coming through Tampa. But more than that, this is the first day that I can remember a quarterback running through the middle of an Alabama defense without an armed motorcade. Because that's exactly what was going on. And yet, and still, Alabama could not pull away from a South Florida team that had a hard time moving the ball through the air. This game was 10 to three until the final minute of regulation it is not what we have come to expect from an Alabama offense right even if it is what we've come to expect from an Alabama defense Tyler Buckner got the start in this game and his first four drives ended in punts every last one of them he looked uncomfortable he looked like 
he was still trying to figure out how to aim the ball instead of just rocking and firing. You could see how Jalen Milrow is the best quarterback that they have at Alabama, but still they put Ty Simpson in there and Ty Simpson was five of 14 for 34 yards at one point and then found a sort of a rhythm. But this is obviously a team that is down at quarterback for the first time in a very long time. And now we're talking about Bama like a team that might finish even third in the SEC West. I kept watching this game going, you know who can't wait for this game to get played? Ole Miss next week, because Ole Miss gets to travel to Tuscaloosa with Pete Golding as defense coordinator Lane Kiffin calling the plays. You'll know Lane Kiffin and Pete Golden were once coordinators for Nick Saban, and they've already seen one former Texas assistant, or excuse me, I should say one former Alabama assistant at Texas and Steve Sarkeesian go get a W in Tuscaloosa. They would like to make that two in the same season, and we haven't seen that in a, in a sometime in a regular season for an Alabama football team coached by Nick Saban. We're harkening it all the way back to like 2007 here, guys, when we're talking about how bad Alabama looks compared to what they have been. Now, unrealistic expectations are what you're going to have if you're Bama because you have set the standard for winning. You have the best football coach in the history of the sport in Nick Saban. They expect to not just win 11, 12 games. They expect to win national championships at Alabama. And right now, I can only think that Bama fans are beside themselves because it's not the offensive line isn't great. It's not that it's good either. Or I should say it's not that it's not good. It's just not great. It's that your quarterbacks are still trying to figure out what they're supposed to do in this offense that was supposed to be built around running the football and playing complementary defense. And frankly, they were able to run the football well when they got it, Jason McClellan going, when they got Roydell Williams going, they look fine. It's when you're asking those quarterbacks to complete passes on third and long and really hit their marks on one-on-one -on -one coverage that they are lacking. So Alabama is at 10, but I think they're going to slide after what they showed against South Florida. And shout out to the Bulls, who absolutely were up for the fight and are a G5 team that many people would have expected even this Alabama team to blow out. And now with the SEC schedule up next for Alabama, goodness, it's hard to see how they're going to make it through the rest of this regular season without suffering at least one more loss. And again, I point to Ole Miss next week. Another SEC team came up against it. They were, man, leading by three at one point against South Carolina. That's Georgia. Georgia ends up winning this game 24 to 14, but is 14 to three at halftime. And Spencer Rattler looked like he knew what was coming and how to deal. As a matter of fact, I don't know that I've seen Spencer be this comfortable since last year when South Carolina managed to topple both Clemson and Tennessee. And they get up for this sort of a game. They went down to Georgia and decided, hey, we can get busy between the hedges. And absolutely did. Defensive line was given that offensive line at Georgia some fits. Carson Beck didn't always look comfortable. And if Dajan Edwards wasn't that dude, it feels like it would have been on Carson Beck to try to figure this out, as it was 27-35, 269 in the game. But I'm looking at this into the fourth quarter. It's 24-14, and we're expecting at some point Georgia to just pull away, and it didn't really happen. It's more like South Carolina couldn't pick up pivotal first downs when they needed to, and the game just got away from them. You expect a Georgia team that is ranked number one and has won, I believe, 19 straight games, right, to absolutely run roughshod over an SEC East opponent like South Carolina, but credit to them for showing up, credit for them for showing out, and absolutely making it a game that we were entertained by late. Now, if you're Kirby Smart and Georgia, you probably can't wait to go coach next week if you're smart because now you have lots of film to teach from. You get to show your guys that they are not invincible. You get to show them that they are fallible. And 
you get to hammer them and everybody knows why. Shout out to Cash Jones, who is yet another preferred walk-on at Georgia, who is making waves. Something about Kirby Smart and preferred walk-ons. Makai Muse had a punt return for touchdown. He's a walk-on from North Gwinnett, right? Stetson Bennett famously walked on at Georgia. You keep going down the line. Lad, Lad McConkie is another dude that didn't really get a whole lot of looks, ends up at Georgia. Kirby loves that guy. He loves the guys that just want to be Georgia Bulldogs no matter what, even if they got all these five stars around here to pull from. They survive. I'm really interested to see how Georgia plays the rest of the season, whether or not this is a wake-up call. Again, the Gamecocks have a way of just getting up for this game, but we'll see. Next on the list for us, Western Kentucky traveled to Ohio State and got blown out. Number six, Ohio State won 63-10. to It was Kyle McCord's first career, or excuse me, his third career start, but his first start as the guy. Remember, Ryan Day made that thing official last week, and I was curious about how he would purport himself knowing that he didn't have to look over his shoulder for the foreseeable future. And I thought he went uh, really well, 19 to 23 for 318, three TDs. In the first half, he he missed he missed some wide open guys, but it didn't really hurt them. They were able to run the ball well with Travion Henderson, who if he gets to the corner before you do, just stop running. You're not going to catch him. He's just gone. That dude is lightning in a bottle. But as much as I want to keep talking about Travion Henderson and what Marvin Harrison Jr. was able to do in the big play game, I wasn't so much watching the offense in this one. I was watching Jim Knowles' defense because that has been the reason that Ohio State has lost to Michigan, right, in the past. And frankly, the reason they haven't won another national championship since 2014, that the defense has not been great. But Ryan Day told me at Big Ten Media Days, this defense is as close to the 2019 one as they've had since he's been there. And that 2019 one was outstanding. You'll remember Chase Young was just a man amongst boys on that defense, but check this out. They had seven tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, two interceptions, two defensive TDs in this game against Western Kentucky. And this is the first time they had two defensive TDs in a game since 2018 Texas Christian. That was back when Urban Meyer was still head coach at Ohio State. So you could see it starting to come together for Jim Knowles, who has been really working hard on changing the psyche of his defensive backs in particular as guys that go up against what is one of, if not the best wide receiver room in all the country and have just gotten used to not challenging for balls because those wide receivers are so good. But that doesn't mean that you should not challenge for balls against other teams. And they did that. Jordan Hancock is really making that nickel slot place his. I got to see some really great play from Josh Proctor, who's going in his sixth year, a lot of experience back there. But it's great to see those defensive backs making plays on the ball and getting takeaways for the offense because if you got an Ohio State defense that is going to take the ball from people and give it back to Ryan Day, look out, we're on to something here as they are finally starting to hit their stride against an important game coming up against Notre Dame, who also feels like a really good football team right now. Missouri upsets number 15, Kansas State, 30-27. to Harrison Mavis <laughs> converted a 61-yard field goal as time expired to walk off and give Eli Drinkwitz the win in Columbia, Missouri. Great win for Missouri. It's finally coming together for them, I think. I was teasing the staff a little bit earlier on the show because I remember Missouri did this against Georgia, and then, you know, Georgia did what Georgia does, but Kansas State is not Georgia. You get what I'm saying here. They were able to finish in a way that they haven't in the past. Now they are undefeated and might be a fringe top 25 team. Kansas State, do they drop out of the top 25 here? I, I think so. I think so. I don't think you can go to Missouri as the number 15 team in the country and take a loss and expect to remain in the top 25. So that means that Missouri, maybe the 
fourth best team in the SEC East knocked off the defending Big 12 champion. I'm sure SEC fans are going to crow about that, but it also gives Chris Kleiman something to coach. Like, I, I genuinely believe that head coaches like coaching teams off of loss. They don't like losing, but they do like coaching teams off of loss because now you get to show them all the things that you were trying to tell them about probably leading up to these losses that you can get fixed and or go back to coaching them hard and coaching them heavy, especially as we're headed into conference play in a very real way. Shouts once again to Missouri for coming up big against Kansas State. Number three, Florida State held off Boston College 31-29. to This was a wild game. This is a wild game for me because I still don't trust Florida State, and I haven't all year. They jumped out to a 31-10 lead only to nearly lose this game by two points as Boston College rallied in the fourth quarter. So did Boston College play an immaculate game? Absolutely not. They had a school record 18 penalties for 131 yards in this game. You got to be winning this game by three or four scores if you are Florida State, but it's worse than that. Florida State was two of 10 on third down. BC outgained Florida State 457 to 340. They got outrushed and outpassed. They had an identical number of first downs, and FSU didn't have a single sack in this game. It was kind of interesting at times, but also just kind of nail-biting at it for a team that's ranked number three in the country, right? Now, I have Florida State ranked at number eight, and I've been catching some guff about it, but it's because of things like this. I don't know what this team is or isn't, and every time it feels like Jordan Travis is playing at a Heisman level, he shows me something where he might not, right? I need you to figure it out. I know that you're talented. I know that you got guys at every position, but until you can put it all together, I'm still going to just hold back as they got Clemson coming up, and I think that's going to be a damn good game. And as I'm looking at it, I might be inclined to pick Clemson, who, yes, lost to Duke, but I know that Dabo Sweeney knows how to figure it out. We're going to find out if Mike Norvell knows how to figure it out, too. Number 19, Oklahoma crushed my alma mater, the University of Tulsa Golden Hurricanes, 66 to 17. Goodness me. I dubbed this, or we dubbed this on the show, the RJ Bowl, because I graduated from the University of Tulsa in undergrad, and I got my master's in professional writing from Oklahoma. I was going to get the trifecta going for the PhD at Oklahoma State, and then, well, this job came calling, and I'm going to do this job. This job's awesome. I love this job. Oklahoma went up 28-0 to in the end of the first quarter. It's fast and efficient. At one point, I'm looking at this going, well, Tulsa didn't really have a great shot, not just because of the talent disadvantage, but the best QB in the city of Tulsa hadn't played since the first half against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and that is Braylon Braxton. They're just a different football team. He is the kind of dude that was so good last year that they could allow Davis Brin to go into the portal, come out of Georgia 7, where he threw for over 300 yards against Wisconsin today, also threw five interceptions, but you get my point here. You're running out there, Roman Fuller, who I did not have faith in to begin with, even as they were trying to gas him up a little bit, and you got to see why. And then Cardell Williams makes them a little bit better as a running team and then can take advantage of some one-on-one opportunities, but frankly, the best quarterback is still on the sideline. That doesn't take away from what Oklahoma has done, though, and I need to stress this. Oklahoma has outscored its non-conference opponents 167-28, to which is an average score of 56-9. to Yeah, they've been really, really good. Dylan Gabriel got his 40th start in Tulsa today. He needs Heisman attention. I understand Oklahoma fans going, RJ, it's a little bit too early for that. Please stop telling people about Oklahoma because they started 3-0 last year, and you know how that went. But, I, you know, let's be a little bit optimistic. As a dude's completing 82.5% of his passes, 
He's got a TD to INT ratio of 11 to 1. He's averaging 301.6 yards passing per game. And again, Oklahoma's putting up 56 a game as they get ready to travel to Cincinnati, where Big Noon kickoff will hold its pregame show in Oklahoma's final year in the Big 12. They look like a conference championship contender to me. Now, we're going to find out for sure when Oklahoma goes down to the Cotton Bowl to take on the Texas Longhorns, who feel real good about themselves having knocked off this Alabama team. But how good is this Alabama team also looks at how good is that Texas team. I think we're going to find out about both of these teams because Oklahoma is a little bit hard to nail down for me in the same way that I think Florida State is kind of hard for, to nail down, but just for different reasons. Who can I trust? That's what October is going to teach us. Who are we going to trust going into November? Because if we're talking about playing for national championships, and we are, that is when I think we're going to see some separation here as there's a whole bunch of teams that look good that haven't played better teams yet. Okay. I want to finish here talking about this week's buildup in Boulder because I don't know that we've ever seen anything like the week that we saw in Boulder, Colorado that culminated today with Gronk, Lil Wayne, the Rock in a Shador Sanders jersey, Offset, Cameron was there last week, Wu-Tang was there last week, Gilly the Kid was there last week, Big Noon kickoff and college game day were there today for Colorado versus Colorado State. We've got heat for Colorado versus Colorado State. I dare say that has never been the thing. Nobody has decided they needed to be in Boulder like these stars from Hollywood and elsewhere decided they need to be in Boulder this week. It's the prime experience, which is a black experience. And the thing that I love most about this is prime is very comfortable doing all of this. He's been on all of these shows, right? From game day to first take the Pat McAfee show. He's in the front of the crowd when Wayne is performing. He is shaking hands with all the luminaries. He's handing out shades, for which we'll talk about a little bit later. And yet, we're still watching how some people either want to doubt it or are just over it. I get both, right? I get you wanting to be over it. The doubt, I think he's been putting that away, but I'll allow it, right? Because they still got to play Oregon and USC to prove it to some other people, even if I thought beating up on Texas Christian was enough. But Coach Prime, I think, makes traditional football coaches nervous, even black ones like Jay Norvell. Being comfortable in black neighborhoods among black folks is one thing. It is something else entirely to bring that experience to a place like Boulder, Colorado, where I think I'm being very sincere when I say they ain't had anything quite like this before with these sorts of folks around. And a guy like Deion Sanders, who is very comfortable wearing designer clothes, who is very comfortable rocking his jewelry and his Jesus piece right here, who is very comfortable wearing sideline gear that you can't find. If you're looking for what Prime is wearing, you can't find it. He is a hype beast supreme. So when Jay Norvell came out here and said on his coach's show that his mama taught him to take his sunglasses off and his hat off, it's not just that he got outplayed by Prime, it's that it became a marketing opportunity for Prime 2 is launching his sunglasses at a little-known sunglass retailer in San Diego where I got a tip that they were 69 bucks on Thursday and they were 67 bucks by the time Prime had handed out a free pair of shades to his players 
and to these media types, right? It's been working for him. I mean, it's a guy who's going to sit down for 60 minutes and say with a straight face when he's asked who's the best football coach in America to find him a mirror so he can see himself. There's a lot that I love about what Prime is doing, right? But the thing that I think I love most is that he is living the dream that many of us want, myself included, where you get to be and act like yourself full-time because you are unencumbered. You are unencumbered by what other people think. You are unencumbered by financial responsibilities because Prime doesn't need the paycheck like some other football coaches need the paycheck. Okay, it's mostly that he wants to be here. He's been asked, do you want to go to the NFL? No, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Recruits call me and they are calling him. He had the number one player from the class of 2025 on campus for Colorado State. I mean, come on, y'all. And I think the reason that this is really flying over the radar for some people or some people are getting tired of it is because they're not seeing it correctly. Okay, The Count of Monte Cristo is my favorite novel, so you'll follow me here. This man that you are seeing called Coach Prime is the Count of Monte Cristo. The Count of Monte Cristo became so because he went to the island of Monte Cristo and found the treasure of Sparta, which is more gold than any man had ever had. And he came back to France and gave himself a title. Also, he could orchestrate his fine-tuned plan to go get what he believed was his. On the menu was also vengeance and revenge, which is another reason as to why you can see Prime taking anything that is perceived as a slight and turning it into one. You are either on his team or against his team. He does not brook any neutrals. You should see that man as Edmond Dantes, who just left the Chateau Diff, who has counted all 72,519 stones in his walls, and can't wait to give it to somebody else the way that he feels he's been getting it. He is the dream. He is what my grandmother was talking about when she told talked to me about, RJ, who do I want you to be? I want you to be proud. I want you to be yourself. I want you to chase it all. I want you to be authentic. I don't want anybody to feel like they can hold you back or hold you down. That's prime right now. Can't wait to talk about Colorado, Colorado State, Tomorrow on our Sunday show, find out what happens as, you know, we're doing this show before that game is played. And we'll talk about Tennessee and Florida and the outcome of that as well on our Sunday show, reacting to the Associated Press's top 25 rankings and my rankings, which will be out first thing in the morning on Sunday, probably early as early as 3 a.m. Eastern time, if you are so inclined. Please, if you're listening on the podcast, rate it. Review it, leave us five stars, really helps people discover it. And if you are watching on YouTube, please be sure to subscribe to the channel. And if you're on the Fox Sports app, you can heart the show, or excuse me, heart the show. You can star the show, or you can star my name so you never miss any of the clips or any of the work that I write for the website. All right, that is going to do it for tonight's episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Cordaggi. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. Chaz is technically directing us tonight. Social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torn Westfall. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all tomorrow. Deuces. <laughs>